haven't met you yet. I am Brian, one of the pastors here. Welcome everybody here that's uh, in person. Welcome online as well. Uh, over the last month or so, we have been doing a little series where we've been looking at the questions that Jesus asked, uh, just detailing through different parts of the Gospels, looking at interactions that Jesus had, and how he so often would use a pointed question or a well-placed story to get people to just go a little bit deeper than they typically would, to get beneath the surface in our lives. We've also been highlighting when someone asked Jesus a question, he was more likely to ask them a question back than to give them a direct answer. Now, Jesus wasn't being elusive when he was doing that. He was using those questions to go deeper in our lives. And that was true 2,000 years ago as Jesus walked the earth and he interacted with these folks in the Middle East. That's true for us today uh, as we try and interact with Jesus in our day-to-day lives and our relationship uh, with God. Now, Jesus' questions, Jesus' questions can be comforting and they can also be a bit confrontational. Whatever the focus, his questions are meant to challenge us. They're meant to challenge us to go that little little layer deeper than we typically would. We're going to talk more about that this morning. It's been really encouraging to see many of you just engaging with this series, uh, responding to the things that Jesus has been doing in your life. And I think God's got some great things in store for us again today. So we're going to look at three more ways that these questions that Jesus asks Uh, can really help us in our day-to-day lives. Um, So we're going to dive right in. Um, We're going to read a little bit longer Bible passage this morning. So why don't you grab a a Bible right in front of you here in person. Uh, If you're online, grab your favorite electronic device. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4. And the Bible's here. It's on page 722. And while you're scrolling there, flipping there, let me set the scene a little bit of this passage that we're going to read. Uh, So this comes at the very end of Luke's gospel, okay? And so there's a lot that's happened in the narrative in just a really short period of time. A week before this, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he was being praised by all the crowds. They were saying, hallelujah, the king has come, all of these things. Several days later, the crowds of Jerusalem were crying out for Jesus to be crucified. Now, amazingly, Jesus didn't stay dead, but he was raised to life on the third day. Now, we know, 2,000 years later, we know how this story unfolds, but what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how a few disciples were trying to make sense of this, this story, this unfolding of events in real time. Okay, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Uh, Let's start in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked, they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, I asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Verse 19, what things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that he had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going on farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened along the way and how they had recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. Okay, wow, what a well whirlwind there. We're gonna stop there for now. It's another intriguing passage of scripture, one that includes a few more questions uh, that Jesus asked. And again, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at three more ways that these questions that Jesus asked can really help us in our lives. Here's the first one for today. Jesus' questions cut through the fog of our emotions. I, was, I live in Lakeside, so I was coming up the, uh, the hill this morning. It was like amazing, super foggy. I get up on the hill and there's no fog. This is what Jesus does in our life. He cuts through the fog of our emotions in our lives. Did you pick up on the swirl of emotions that these disciples were trying to sort out in this story? Verse 17 says their faces were downcast. Verse 21 points out that their sense of hopelessness, this deep sense of hopelessness that they were trying to sort through. Verse 21 also highlights this amazement that they had of what the women had told them about Jesus no longer being in the tomb that something had happened, that they had this angelic vision, and man, they were just trying to make sense of what was going on. More literally, that word amazement could be translated astonished or dumbfounded. The disciples, they were, they were shell-shocked by all that had taken place over just a few days. And in fact, their, their thoughts and their emotions were bouncing around so wildly that they didn't even recognize the resurrected Christ that was standing right in front of them. Amazing. Maybe you've been in a spot like that in your life where there's just a swirl of events, swirl of unfolding of things where your mind and your emotions and just your whole demeanor are just spinning around so fast that it's hard to make sense of which way is up. It can be extremely disorienting. In the midst of what these disciples were experiencing, what did Jesus do? Just like in Jesus' fashion, he asked a question. Verse 17, Jesus asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They replied, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened? Verse 19, Jesus asked yet another question, and he says, what things? 
At first, Jesus' approach might feel really frustrating, confusing. I, I, I don't know if you picked this up in the scripture or not, but it's almost like these guys are like, are you serious? <laughs> like, are you the only one that hasn't heard what's going on here? But as I sit with this passage longer, I think this could actually be a display of Jesus' kindness, where he was carving out space in the midst of this swirling for these disciples to make sense of everything that had taken place. Also, by asking a question, Jesus extended the conversation. You know, that's so often his way of doing things, but it goes against the grain of what we would prefer that God would do. (laughs) You know, we come to God with a problem, and we want God to fix it. We come to God with our frustrations, and we want him to immediately um, resolve them. You know, but so often what God's approach is, is to keep the conversation going so that we get beyond surface-level thinking. For example, just in my life, I, I told you a story a few weeks ago when I was uh, sharing um, earlier in this series about this time frame where God asked me this question, Brian, why are you so angry? I remember earlier experience where I was feeling stretched in my journey of leadership, and God brought up this question from Mark chapter six and the, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and, and God was asking me, Brian, what do you have to work with? You're feeling stretched. What, what do you actually have to work with? Those kinds of questions, they took my interactions with God deeper than I would have gone all by myself. And this past week, I was thinking about uh, parenting. Uh, parents, you remember that little bag that they gave you when you left the hospital with your newborn? Maybe it, it uh, had like a little pacifier in it or uh, like a burp cloth, maybe a little information about the clinic, you know, what they're going to do. Uh, but I don't know about you, but my bag was missing something. It was missing an operating manual uh, for this like brand new human. Did your, your bag have one of those? I, I don't know, like, holy cow, parenting is hard. You know, I've got a number of friends that are in the midst of parenting little kids, you know, babies and toddlers, and just the frustration and the, oh man, the challenge of that. Other people that are in the, the, uh, the stages of like, you're getting ready for school, sending your kids to kindergarten or junior high school or high school. Different things. My wife and I, we're in the stage where we're like officially empty nesters now. And, you know, adjusting to having adult kids and the changes that go with that. Whatever the circumstances might be, you know, I have found through all these different stages, all these different emotions that go with them, one of the consistent questions I have felt like God has posed to me as a dad is this. Brian, what do you hope for for your kids? What do you want for them? What do you desire for them, particularly in this season? You know, that's how practical our relationship with God can be. That he doesn't just stay on the surface, but he goes deeper with us. He extends that conversation with us. That's what it is all about. Questions like that, there are just ways for God to just do this work in us. And here's why this is so important. Friends, here's why it's so important. We usually want to talk to God about what happened or the details. God wants to talk to us about what we hope for. You see that? Have you seen that in your own life? You know, where you want to talk to God about this and that and the swirl of all of these details, but so often where God wants to get to in our lives is he wants to talk to us about our hopes, about what we really want about the deep desires of 
what our lives are really about and what we're really shooting for. We'll look at further at how Jesus did this exact thing with the disciples. So for several sentences, they were trying to describe these events, like, you know, there was Jesus, and then there was the priests, and then they, they put him on trial, and they crucified him. Like, just the swirl of things that were going on. But as the conversation continued, we read this in verse 21. They said, we had hoped. We had hoped that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see how this gets below the surface? You know, they were talking about all the things that had happened. These guys moved past that, though. They got past that string of details of what had occurred, and they began to give voice to why that mattered for them. They expressed their heartache and the way that their hopes felt unfulfilled. This is so important. This is so much of, I think, what God wants to do in each one of our lives to just get beyond the things, the details of this and that and what, what happened and, and all those things. He wants to get down into our hearts, what we hope for, what we dream of, what really matters most to us. Okay, so after Jesus, after he gets below the surface in these guys' life, guess what he does next? Literally, like guess. What's he, what's he do? He asks another question. Man, like we're starting to see a pattern here, right? Okay, here's the question he asks. Verse 26. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Now, Jesus was the one sent to redeem not only Israel, but the entire human race. He was the fulfillment of the hopes that these guys had, but that redemption came in a completely different way than they were expecting. What had unfolded over those previous few days didn't fit their previous paradigm. And so Jesus used yet another question to deepen their experience and the understanding. And again, that's the same thing that he does for us. Let's look at that a little bit more um, closely as we talk about the second point. <clears throat> In their encounter with Jesus, these disciples experienced three items. Three items happened to them. They had their eyes opened, they had their minds open, and they had their hearts like set on fire with God's power and truth. There are a bunch of ways that we could unpack those three items uh, in these experiences, but here's the angle that I want to take today. I'd like to turn their experiences into prayers that we can pray in our lives. What we read in the Bible isn't meant to just be like dry information. It's meant to deepen our relationship with God. Again, what happened to them back then, the same kind of things can happen uh, to us today. And so as we turn their experiences into prayers that we can pray, we're also going to pick up on the first question uh, that we began this series with. The first question that Jesus asked way at the beginning of the Gospel of John, one that we've come back to over and over in this series, is simply this, what do you want? What do you want? So we're going to take their experiences and turn that into these prayers of desire, what we want. So here's the first prayer. God, I want my eyes opened. I want my eyes open. This tracks back to the unique experience of the disciples. As Jesus walked along the road with them, somehow they didn't recognize them. But we read this in verses 30 and 31. It says, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. 
And then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And I don't know how this happened physically, what they were going through, and the fact that they couldn't recognize Jesus right in front of them. But I think we can at least relate to this metaphorically, right? Uh, where something is right in front of us, uh, but we can't see it. But then our perspective changes, and suddenly we can see it. Think about it. There's transformation that God wants to do in your life that's right in front of you, but you don't see it yet. We call them blind spots for a reason, right? It's like things that we know that, that somehow God is doing in our lives, but we just don't see it yet. We need to have our eyes open to them. Similarly, there's people that God is calling you to extend compassion to, but right now it's easy just to walk by. We looked at the story of the Good Samaritan a few weeks ago, where it's just easy just to go right on by because our eyes aren't opened. Another way, there's ways that God's working to def- fulfill those deep hopes and those dreams that you have, things that maybe you've been carrying in your heart for a long time, but right now you have a hard time seeing God's faithfulness. Now, I could list on a bunch more examples, and I think you get the point. With God's help, without that, excuse me, without God's help, uh, we're going to miss so much along the way, and so we want to pray this prayer, saying, God, God, I need my eyes open. God, I want my eyes to be open. So that's the first prayer. Um, just one second. Before we move on to the second one, um, take note of this. Did you notice what the, the guys were doing when their eyes um, were finally open to see Jesus? Essentially, they were taking communion, right? Like they were sitting down to break bread. Jesus was reenacting what he had done at the Last Supper with his disciples And as he broke that bread, it was there that they started to see him in a brand new way. And so I just want to give you this encouragement. Um, You know, we take communion every week here at the Vineyard. And so this is a prayer that you can pray as you come up and you take communion, as you do that online um, at your home, where you can pray and say, God, I want to see you in a new way. There are things that I don't recognize about you that this act of taking the bread and taking the cup can really help to open up my eyes. Jesus, would you open my eyes so that I can see you more clearly? I know in my life, like communion has been one of those regular meeting places with God. I want to encourage you towards that. And another place, um, encountering God in the Bible is another one where I've really experienced this meeting place with God. That brings us to our second prayer we find in Luke 24. God, I want my mind, I want my mind to be opened. This theme comes up in two different times in Luke 24. First on the road to Emmaus, where Jesus started from the beginning of the scriptures and he helped the disciples to understand why the Messiah had to suffer. Similarly, we read this subsequent encounter in verses 44 and 45, where Jesus said to them, This is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Uh, I've been following Jesus for about 35 years now, and in that time frame, I've attended some really good Bible studies, but man, wouldn't you like to sit in on this one? 
You know, to have Jesus start at the very beginning and walk through the whole scriptures of seeing how all this fits together, how all of it points to him, how it all makes sense of what God is doing. Now, friends, even though we can't sit down physically with Jesus, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. And here's one of the big jobs of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, John 14 says, one of his jobs is to lead us into all truth. And one of the biggest places that we get led in that is through the scriptures, where the Spirit like, um, enlightens and brings to the surface, above the surface, for us all that the scriptures have said about Jesus so that we can take that in within our lives deeper and deeper. And the more that we learn of who God is and what God has done, it's not just accumulating this information, what that's meant to do is help our lives to come into focus. As we see who God is, then we see who we are. As we see the work that God is doing in the world, we see what our work is to do in joining him. We, we get invited into this process of God uh, um, uh, bringing us in and that we get to participate in all of God's kingdom advancing. So with all that in mind, here's what I want to give you a little assignment this week. I'll give you a little summit. Fall is right around the corner. Jackson's super excited because it's getting colder. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, fall's right around the corner. Uh, this is a time frame that people will often just reevaluate their lives. Like if you've got kids going back to school, maybe you're heading back to some different rhythms in your work, your life. Uh, it's a time where you maybe reassess, like, what are my daily practices look like? What does life look like? And, and reassess where you're at uh, with God. And so right now, I want to challenge you to take a next step with your time in the Bible during this next season. Recommit or commit to the very first time to looking for God in the midst of the scriptures. Praying this prayer, God, I want my mind to be open so I can see you more clearly in what's been revealed in scripture so that I can know more clearly how to live my life in the very practicalities of it uh, day to day. So for some of you, that might mean um, beginning a practice of opening your Bible uh, like on a regular basis. Maybe you haven't been in that habit. Maybe you uh, pick up a, you know, one of the great Bible apps or a Bible reading plan just to have that regular daily dose or several times during the week kind of a dose of engaging with the scriptures and taking that in. Uh, maybe your next step is to dig deeper into the grand story of the Bible, to understand like how all the different portions of the scriptures all fit together. Again, this is the piece I would have loved to have Jesus just explain um, for me. Uh, but man, it's so wonderful that there's a bunch of other resources and things that can help to point us towards that, of seeing this grand story of Jesus. For others, it might mean taking on a fresh posture of a learner. I know one of the challenges for me after so many years of engaging in the Bible is I have to make a choice to hold with an open hand all that I have come to know so that I can begin, continue to be open to all those things that I don't yet understand. Okay, it's a heart level decision. And so prayers like this, God, I want my mind to be opened are ways that we humble ourselves and we just invite more of God to come into our lives. And we encourage you, like as you open your Bible, um, as you open up that app, open up your phone, whatever you do, to literally pray. God, would you 
meet me. Meet me in this time as I read the scriptures. So again, we've got the help of the Holy Spirit uh, in those times. As I mentioned just a moment ago, there's a bunch of other tools that can really help us with this. I know a, a number of families have uh, utilized the Jesus Storybook Bible as a really great introductory way to, uh, to share with their kids about who Jesus is and how all the different parts of the Bible fit together and they point to Jesus. You know, electronic resources like the Bible Project videos, we've played different points here at the Vineyard, or the Read Scripture app, or Logos, you know, so many different tools that can help you to take your engagement with Scripture deeper. It's also like a bunch of reference books that can really help you to discover that big picture, this grand narrative, this meta-narrative, we call it, of the Bible, and see how all those different pieces fit together, okay? Friends, I want to encourage you, you can find Jesus throughout the Bible. <laughs> He's not named all the place, but there's things that point to him. It all does fit together. This is one of the things I love as a pastor, is helping the people discover this and to dig in this. And when those aha, those epiphany moments happen, it is so fun because it's not just about up in our heads. It does something in our hearts, and it helps us to learn how to live in following Jesus. It's also fun to have friends to do this with, whether it's on the weekends, uh, we're just gonna be coming up on a brand new round of small groups. That's a great spot to dig in with some friends, digging into the scriptures, maybe one-on-one -on -one with a friend, maybe over coffee. All those are different contexts for you to have God open your mind deeper and that your experience with him uh, can deepen as well. Okay, here's the third prayer that we can pray. God, I want a burning heart. God, I want a burning heart. Now, be careful with that because, you know, if you have the words wrong, you might end up with heartburn instead, but uh, you don't want that. No, I want a burning heart, okay? <laughs> this goes back to uh, the experience of the disciples. As they recalled encountering God, Jesus, they cried out, were not our hearts burning? Were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us, while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? They had hearts that were lit on fire by God's power and truth. Yet, friends, that's something that can happen uh, for us today. So I was reflecting on um, this particular verse over the past few days. Uh, I was drawn back again to the story of John Wesley. Uh, John Wesley was one of the most influential figures in the Christian church over the last 300 years. Uh, his ministry birthed the Methodist movement, uh, which planted thousands of churches, impacted millions of people uh, over the years. Uh, he also played a significant role in what we call the First Great Awakening uh, that took place in the mid-1700s uh, here in the U.S. Think about Wesley's life. What sparked that kind of impact? When Wesley's word it began with an experience on May 24th, 1738. Listen to his description. In the evening, I went very unwillingly uh, to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle uh, to the Romans. At about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, 
An assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. So favorites encounter, maybe you've heard this story before, this, this phrase, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And what happened to the disciples in this first century encounter on the road to Emmaus happened to Wesley in the 18th century. But in many ways, Wesley was an unlikely candidate for that kind of experience. Did you catch the very first phrase there? I went very unwillingly. <laughs> he didn't even want to go to church that night. He didn't want to go to the prayer meeting, and yet God met him in an unexpected way. Here's another part of his backstory. Wesley was experiencing incredible discouragement in this season of his life. He had just returned uh, from a lengthy mission trip to America that had failed miserably. Uh, He was experiencing uncertainty about his faith. He wondered if he was even a Christian, okay? But in the midst of all those swirling emotions, God met Wesley in such a personal way, and that experience changed the whole trajectory of his life. Had his heart warmed. He received a burning heart. It took something that was stale and and dull, and God just like lit a fire in him that only changed his life, but it changed the lives of thousands, even millions of others. That is the way that God works. And as I share these stories about Wesley, here's my hope for you and for me. I'm asking God to warm your heart. How that gets worked out in your life is going to be totally different probably than it was for Wesley. But I'm asking God to ignite something in you that frees you to pursue all that God has for you. Okay? You don't have to live out somebody's calling, somebody else's calling. You don't have to live out somebody else's purpose. But God wants to do that in you. And so often what stands in the way of that is that our hearts become dull. Our hearts become hardened. And so we need that work of the Holy Spirit to put our hearts on fire again, to put that burning there, to warm us like Wesley experienced. And friends, God has something for you. Even if you're reluctant, even if you're discouraged, God can meet you in those places. And he can draw you into things that you never thought were possible. So I just want to ask you, like, where do you long for that in your life? When you think about these spots where just like life has become a little dull, where your passion has lost a little bit there, where do you want God to do that in your life? That is a great spot to pray this prayer. God, I really want a burning heart. I've got one more item to cover, but let's just look at these again. Friends, these are prayers that we can pray in our day-to-day life. They can go in so many different directions. You know, maybe as I'm just listing these off and sharing some of these examples, in your mind, I'm hoping that there's ways that you say, oh, that's where I need that. God, God, I want my eyes opened. I want to see you more clearly. God, I want my mind open. There's things that I just don't understand. I just don't get. And would you just piece that all together for me by the help of the Holy Spirit? And God, I want this burning heart. I want to have a heart that beats for you in a fresh way. Friends, these are prayers of desire. And we have to like, not just pray them once and then like, okay, maybe that worked, maybe it didn't. Like, this is consistent that we want to just continue to pray these prayers. Why not start this week? 
Why not take these on yourself and then begin to see what God might do as we pray these prayers before him? Okay, final thing. Where does all this lead? How does this passage finish up? Here's a final point. Jesus' questions propel us to share with others. This isn't just about us. Jesus' questions, as they go deeper in us, they fill us, and then that overflows in being able to share with others. Think again about the response of the disciples in Luke 24. Verse 33, they returned at once to Jerusalem. Verse 34, they said, it's true. The Lord really has risen. Verse 35, they told the others what had happened along the road to Emmaus. So coming out of this encounter with Jesus, it was a natural thing for them to share about what had taken place. It was just bubbling out uh, of them. And then Jesus gave them another boost. Look at this section of Luke 24 and how it concludes, starting in verse 45. Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things, and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, meaning the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus said, this is where this is all leading. This isn't just about you having this powerful experience. He's saying, I'm sending you out. You are my witnesses of all these things. Now, for some of us, we we read that, we see that word witness or witnesses, and we get a little freaked out, like, ah, I can't do that. (laughs) You know, I'm not qualified. You know, you just discount yourself so quickly. We don't think we have what it takes to share with others about Jesus. But, friends, what's the role of a witness? Even thinking about this in, you know, the courtroom scene. What does a witness do? What is a witness uh, all about? Three things. A witness answers the questions. What did you see? What did you hear? And what do you experience? They're not trying to come up with anything. Like, they're just asking, like, what happened? What's this all about? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? It's that same thing for us as we think about sharing with others about Jesus. God is not looking for expert testimony. (laughs) You don't have to have like all these letters after your name in order to share about Jesus. What he's looking for is people that will simply share what they've seen, what they've heard, and what they've experienced. Now that could come in conversations with a neighbor, interactions with family members that become, could become an invitation to church, uh, could become an invitation to something like the Alpha Course that we're going to be running here again this fall here at the Vineyard. You know, whatever that looks like, it's just about the overflow of the good things that God's done in your life and then simply sharing about what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you've experienced. And our motivation to share this is not from guilt, it's not from manipulation, It comes from this genuine encounter with Christ. As you take the impact of what Jesus is doing in your life, just share that with others, and it becomes more and more natural. As you're filled up more and more with God in your life, then that just begins to spill out more and more to others. In the coming weeks, that sharing 
uh, may come from what's taking place in you as you pray the prayers that we talked about this morning. God, I want my eyes to be open. I want my mind to be open. God, I want my heart to burn for you. What if there are brand new experiences that God draws you in, that then you get the opportunity to just share uh, what's happening? I don't know the exact specifics of what God wants to do in and through you, but I know that he's up to something. That's why here at the Vineyard, we just intentionally carve out these spaces for us to encounter God, to receive what he wants to do in our lives, And then we just say, God, would you empower me? Would you clothe me with power by your Holy Spirit that I can share these good things that you're doing in me and the people around me with those that I really care about? Along those lines, that's where we want to finish up today. As we do every week here at the Vineyard, we want to ask for God to take this deeper in our lives. We want to ask for God to do that work that only he can do. We want to ask for God uh, to show us what he's doing as we head into our week. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me and uh, love to have us pray. Let's open up to what God has in store as we worship some more and we pray uh, for one another. Yeah, God, would you just come? Come right now. God, would you take these little fleeting thoughts, these little pieces, God, that um, have like, sparked something uh, in our hearts uh, this morning. And, and God, would you just, like, um, just fan the flame of that in our lives? God, we don't want to settle for simply uh, just skirting off the surface and then just going to the rest of our day, rest of our week. God, we want you to do a deep work in us, a transforming work. God, an empowering work (laughs) that only you can do. So God, would you come even more right now? As we wait before you, we, we pray these prayers. God, would you open our eyes? God, open our eyes to see you more clearly. God, open our minds. God, there's things that we just don't get. (laughs) God, we are dull. We get hardened. God, would you just put a fresh spark in our hearts to burn for you? Would you come, Lord? I think there are a number of different invitations that God um, is giving us in this time. Um, I wanna encourage you, like, um, don't live up in like the 30,000 foot range. Like, as God is highlighting different items, like, no, this is the situation, this is the relationship, this is the spot where you can work this out. Uh, Like, this is a great time to be able to give immediate response to that and just ask for more of the Holy Spirit. So if you're on our ministry team, why don't you begin to make your way up front. Uh, we're gonna go back into some more worship. Uh, Zena and the team, Hector and the team are gonna lead us in some more engagement with God. And we're gonna pray for one another. And we're gonna bring the very real things of our lives and just ask God to do more. I wanna encourage you to push past just those surface level ways that you might 
think about what happened or uh, different ways of engaging with God. And allow God to go deeper into those things that you hope for, to bring those before him and ask for his real, real help. So I was praying for this morning, and this really felt like there was um, this promise of, uh, of just more experience of the Holy Spirit. And we have this, uh, uh, the promises in Scripture of what the Holy Spirit does, that he leads us into truth. The Holy Spirit's a comforter. Holy Spirit is the one that clothes us with power as we want to live life and want to share with others. Any of those things that we need, we can just say, oh God, I don't even know all the ways that I need it, but Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? And maybe you might be swirling around in, in you know, just so many events and difficulties or struggles or challenges. Like, you can come before Jesus right now and say, Jesus, would you just help me sort this out? I just need your help. Whatever that might be this morning, let's come before God. Let's worship him. Let's bring him our real lives. Let's see what he wants to do, not only this morning, but this week. Okay, we're gonna worship. Come up and get some prayer. Thanks for being here this morning here at the Vineyard.